well, I want you to think this morning for a moment that you have a special guest coming to your house. Okay, not just any guest, uh, but someone that you personally really highly regard. I'm not going to mention any names. You know who it is for you, right? Maybe a favorite author or a sports figure, a leader, some kind of famous person. And by some chance, this next Saturday night, they're coming to your house for dinner. Okay? What do you do? What do you do? Do you wait till an hour before and run a quick vacuum? Do you rummage through the fridge, you know, at about four o'clock and say, ah, what are we, what kind of leftovers do we have? Right. Um, do you answer the door in sweats and a T-shirt? Right. Why not? Why not? Because you have great respect for that person. Right. You want to honor them. So you want to give them your best. Well, such is the case in our next section in the book of John. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 12 this morning. For the message title, I want to I want to borrow a title from the book, you, many of you may have read it, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers, a highly recommended devotional book, uh, very, very, one of the, probably the top-selling devotional book of all time uh, for years and years and years. But I just couldn't think of a better title uh, for the message this morning, My Utmost for His Highest. So in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now remember, every time we see a therefore, we got to figure out what it's there for, right? So, because what is to follow that word always has to do with what came before. It's always founded on what's already been said. So what we find, if we look back, is that the council, as we talked about, had met, right? Um, They worried about everyone believing in Jesus, proclaiming Jesus to be their Messiah and their king, right? Because the Jews, uh, why why did they worry so much? Because the Jews believed that this God-ordained king was going to restore Israel to its top spot in the world, right? Was going to deliver them from their oppressors, from this Roman occupation, right? And and if everybody's proclaiming that we have a new king that's going to deliver us from the Roman oppression, how do you think Rome's going to take that? (laughs) Not well, not well. So they're inviting the Roman army to come in and potentially destroy the temple And as was the the case a a lot of times in history, they would scatter the Jews throughout the Roman Empire so that you didn't have huge pockets of Jews to be able to form an army to be in resistance to uh, the empire. So that's what they were worried about. So John chapter 11, if you look back a few verses, says that. So from that day on, they made plans to put him, Jesus, to death. Verse 54, Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, 
where he stayed with the disciples. So since it was not yet his time, which we've seen multiple times in the Gospels, uh, either either they couldn't grab him because it wasn't his time, or Jesus, being smart, said, this is probably not the time to hang around the city because they're all looking for me to arrest me and, and kill me, so I'm going to hang around the outer edges, which is what he did. So he went to Ephraim, where he could still minister to people and not create much of a stir. Okay. So then things change. John 11:55. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. So this is the, the biggest feast of the year where they would come together to celebrate Passover, to celebrate their deliverance out of Egypt, right? And this is also, Jesus knows, it's time. It is his time. The time that he would come back into the public arena and actually shortly Um, We're a couple of weeks late on this, but shortly he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, proclaiming himself to be their king. No bones about it, no parables, no nothing. He's riding in, fulfilling scripture. I am the king, right? Shortly he would be doing this. So then, now, uh, John 12 Uh, Beginning verse one again, six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, now that it's his time, now that he's going to reveal himself, uh, came to Bethany, which is getting closer towards Jerusalem, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. So he is uh, now. They're they're throwing a dinner for him, a feast. It's a celebratory event that Jews would hold in honor of someone that they greatly esteem, someone special, someone important. And this particular feast, this particular celebration is in honor of Jesus. He is the guest there. Verse 3, Mary, therefore, there's another therefore. Therefore, because Jesus was to be honored, right, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This is one of those verses, verse three, that I, I, I heard somebody say this about uh, a a verse of scripture before, and I've always remembered, this is pregnant. (laughs) There is is a lot in this one verse that just needs to come out. And I want to kind of break this down. Um, Verse three here, a number of things that we need to understand. The first of which I had never seen before as I was studying this. How many know that pastor can still learn new things? Right. Um, How many are familiar with the book, The Song of Solomon? Okay, Song of Solomon. It's a book of scripture attributed to King Solomon. Many believe, including myself, that this book has a dual meaning. Uh, First of all, it is the the unabashed celebration 
of intimate love between a husband and a wife. Something that God blesses, something that God is really for. Um, Second, it symbolizes and celebrates the spiritual intimacy between us and God. God has called us not into some kind of a a distant relationship where, where he's off somewhere running all kinds of things and maybe we throw out a prayer. He's calling us to a close personal relationship. And as we read the book of the Song of Solomon, with both of those things in mind, we, we look at the, the gloriousness of, of marital uh, intimacy, but we also get a glimpse into what God is looking for with us in spiritual intimacy in our relationship with him. A wealth of truth and guidance for the two most important relationships in our lives. Amen. So in this first chapter of the Song of Solomon, verse 12, it says this. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. Whoa, I never saw that before. Mary anoints the honored guest with none other than nard. Nard was a plant uh, where they would derive uh, perfume from. It was very uh, costly in those days. So here, here he is, the, the, the king at, on his couch. We'd be reclining there at the table. And she anoints him with nard. Her nard gives forth its fragrance. Did she know at this point that she was actually uh, fulfilling scripture, fulfilling prophecy? I don't know. Did she know that in this act she was proclaiming Jesus to be the king? Probably. Probably. Because, well, you've just raised her brother from the dead, right? So I think she was understanding the greatness of the one who was there before her and whether or not she knew she was fulfilling scripture proclaims him king of the universe. Right. Yep. Going to get into that too. No problem. No problem. I love it when people read ahead. So, um, look, look here though. Mary anoints his feet. Now, there, there's a couple. There, there's another anointing that's done in Luke, which I don't think is connected. Um, there, and there's also an account in Matthew and Mark which may be referring to this, but there's enough difference that it may not. Scholars are kind of all over the place. So I'm just going to stick with John here. That Mary anoints his feet. John is communicating something to it. God doesn't waste words, okay? So why is John picking out the fact that Mary anoints his feet? I believe that this is an act of humility on her part, okay? He is this great honored guest. He is the king. He is the one who raises the dead, right? And she is in this action. She's, she's literally bowing at his feet, if you will. And yet, also anointing those feet um, with perfume, an act of love and devotion. 
so too, as you and I consider our relationship with the Lord, right? He is, he is our Savior. He is our friend, the best friend that we could ever have, whom we love. And yet, he's God Almighty, right? Worthy that we should fall at his feet in worship. Got that kind of dual thing going on here, too. And the house was filled with the fragrance that is now Jesus, right? When somebody walks across the room, you, you, you don't say, I smell perfume. I, you say, I smell that person, right? Or, or cologne or whatever. Um, so now the house is filled with the fragrance of Jesus, a symbol of his majesty, his glory, right? The beauty of his holiness is just filling the whole room. The king, right? And Mary wipes his feet with her hair. She wipes his feet with her hair. Now that's significant for a couple of reasons. First of all, a proper Jewish woman, uh, kind of like the Am- in the Amish country where we were just at, uh, doesn't let her hair down in public. Okay, that was seen as um, immodest. So it was it was modesty in those days for her to have her hair up and covered. Um, that would be something to let that down would be something that would be reserved uh, for her husband. Now this reminds me of remember King David in Second Samuel chapter six when they bring the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the Ark um, that symbolized the presence of God. It had been elsewhere, and now they bring it into the city of David, into Zion. And David is just so happy that they're bringing the Ark to rest, you know, that he takes off his royal robe and he dances before the Lord with all of his might, right? For, for, forget the fact that he's a king. He's dancing in a linen ephod which his wife finds disgusting. You know, look how you shamed yourself in front of everybody else. Um, he's, he's, it's, it's basically a, like a long undershirt, you know, kind of like the old um, uh, night shirts, you know, that guys used to wear. So David is just dancing for joy in the presence of the Lord. And, and what, is, what is the picture here? Um, that there's, there's no pretense there's no pretense. David is not not coming as the king to do it. He's just, just and, and same with Mary here. No pretense. Unabashedly expressing love and devotion to the Lord. Being just, I am who I am and just all for him because he is worthy. Right? No shame, no looking around. You know, may we all get to the place, may we all get to the place where we don't care what anybody thinks, especially in the church, right? That we can kneel, we can raise our hands, we can clap our hands, we can dance for joy, we can sing with gusto, right? We can love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as if our awesome God was the only one who was here with us no pretense, no just unashamed worship of the one who is worthy. Amen. And speaking of love and devotion, as Tom pointed out, this 
pure nard, as it says in verse 5, was sold for 300 denarii, which was about a year's wages for a common laborer. What does that tell us? Right? She gave the most costly thing that she had. She gave her utmost. She gave her best. Because why? Because the best is reserved for the best. Amen? No other person, no thing, no activity, nothing is more worthy of our attention, our time, our devotion than him. Right? Think back to the beginning of the message. That honored guest that comes to your house. Right? Think of what they're worthy of. The time, the planning, the best. And then compare them to the Lord of all creation. Hmm. He who is greater than all. Not only just in the fact that he's God. And yet, who has lavished upon us such mercy and grace and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb to be praised. Amen. Some have speculated that something so costly might have been Mary's dowry or her inheritance. Again, you're talking about a year's wages in a little 12-ounce bottle, approximately. What are we looking at there? Either way, it not only represented her, her substance, represented her wealth, it also represented her security. It re- represented her future, in a sense, didn't it? That's a year's wages that I've got in the bank here. And she lavishes it. On him. What does that tell us? That the one who was worthy to have this poured out at his feet, she knew, she understood, she trusted that he had her future in his hands. Amen. So. As we come to the close this morning. Not in a sense of guilt or, or, or anything like that, but just in a sense of refocus. You know, I, I share this a lot. My wife likes when I do uh, marriage counseling because then all of a sudden I start bringing her flowers for no reason again. Um, because, you know... Uh, someone was telling me the other day, they, they go to marriage, you know, the marriage conferences. They, you, sometimes you just need to reshift. You just need to refocus, right? And, and yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. And so hopefully this morning we can refocus and just say, who is this who has called me into a relationship with him? Who is this and what has he done for me and in my life? And because of all that, how then, how then should I respond to him? My utmost for his highest. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer this morning.
Oh, Lord. <laughs> Give us that sense of your majesty that Mary had. God, as we would, as we would come to church into your presence gathered here, as we would bow our knees at home or just bow our head at, at the, at the uh, breakfast table, lunch table, dinner table, and, and pray a prayer to you giving thanks, as we would at any time, Lord, focus our attention on you. Would you help us? Give us a sense of your majesty and your glory and the beauty of your holiness that we might respond to you, Lord, as Mary did. Give us a sense, Lord. Remind us of where we were without you and where we are now because of you that, again, we might respond with our utmost for your highest. Bless you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to share a song with you this morning and then, then a few closing words. So Zoomers, hang tight. Uh, the church that I uh, trained in, our pastor's wife would sing this song, uh, sang it a number of times, touched my heart every time. I share it with you this morning. Something else taken from this verse, right? Precious that God had spilled out for us. I don't want to miss this this morning. Something else that just kind of touched my heart as I was going through this. As Mary wiped his feet with her hair, she was also covered in the fragrance of Jesus, wasn't she? She shared in his glory. <laughs> like you and me who have encountered him, who have encountered his grace, encountered his mercy and his love, we carry that fragrance out into the world. As we love others, our lives reflect his glory. Amen. So I want to encourage you just as we just wrap our hearts around this whole thing, as we go out into the world this week, let's carry with us the fragrance of Jesus. Amen. Amen.